before all the pandemic stuff began to happen, we shot a couple of videos um, with some North Church people talking about some questions that we had asked them. Uh, and one of the questions we asked was, how has, um, what is a time where worship has been very real to you, where, uh, where worship was, was distinctly real to you? And, and we asked that in the context of worship doesn't always have to be standing and raising your hands and singing a song. Worship can be uh, sitting in the park. Worship can be watching your children sleep. Worship can be uh, just engaging with the majesty and beauty of God. And so it's interesting that we asked that question uh, of, of our people a, a couple of months ago and shot these videos then, given where we are right now. So, and where you are, you're sitting right now. You don't have to be in this room. You don't have to be engaged live here to worship God. You can worship God in any capacity you'd like. Uh, but I, I want to show one of those videos. I hope you can pick it up. We've tested it, and I, I think it'll work. Um, this is Leah Stillman talking about uh, uh, an opportunity when, when she felt really near to God in worship. So watch this video, and we'll, we'll continue. was real was in 2011 when I was living on Mid-American Nazarene University's campus. I had transferred there strictly just because I got a cheer scholarship. I was not a Christian. I was not a Nazarene. I wasn't saved. I didn't even really care about Jesus at all. And I vividly remember saying, they're going to shove this religion thing down my throat and I'm going to hate every second of it. Like I actually said that out loud to someone. And then about two or three months into living on campus, we had a worship night and just being forced, actually forced to go to uh, church every Sunday and um, do small groups with my cheer team and living with a roommate who I had known previously. And then she had gotten saved and we met up a few years later and watching the transformation in her life. Um, showing up to a worship night one night and just really remembering the feeling of being saved. Um, I was saved at a worship event. The woman was, I mean, not only was she a beautiful singer and the song was beautiful and the lights were low and the setting was perfect, but it was one of the most real feelings I'd ever had um, as far as my walk with Christ goes. I, I just very much vividly remember not feeling alone anymore. Something just came over me and was like, I don't, it sounds so silly, but it was almost like a hug. Like, I'm not alone. I'm safe and someone's going to take care of me and I don't have to just keep digging and digging and striving for more. I could rest. So we're talking about ways to worship, and uh, one thing that Rick's always pointing us towards is uh, the psalms, to read a psalm and look for a word um, and focus in on that word. So I, I was looking for a psalm uh, that talked about peace, and I found, uh, I went to Psalm 29, uh, verses 10 and 11, and it says, uh, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. And I really, I really loved that last line of may the Lord bless his people with peace because 
just seems like, um, like in these uncertain times, uh, it's easy to feel anxious or to have confusion, uh, loneliness, fear, maybe, maybe even anger. But uh, we can see this blessing of peace in this psalm, and um, we can call out to our Savior, and we can ask for peace. We can, we can ask for strength. So um, we're going to take a moment now to consider the peace that, God can, that can be found in God. Um, and we're going to give you a few minutes to do this individually or together in your living rooms. Um, so if you're together with a family, talk about peace. Um, if you want to just be quiet and think about peace, um, let's just take a moment to do that now. Father God, I pray that you would give us peace, that we would find rest in you, like, like Leah talked about, the, the sense uh, of being home, of being full, of being able to rest. We love you, Father. May our lives reflect that love. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Again, um, uh, bear with me one second. So I want to take a, a second to, uh, to pray, if you don't mind, um, not just for the service, but for what's happening in, in our world. So um, let's, uh, let's pray. And again, as everyone has kind of said already, it's, it's a little bit awkward, a little bit weird. Um, and I've said many times from this platform that uh, prayer doesn't always have to be bow your head, close your eyes, dear God, say some stuff, and then amen. Prayer. It's just you interacting and engaging with God and, and laying your requests before him. So if it's weird or awkward for you sitting in your living room or at your kitchen table in front of your computer, whatever, uh, feel free to, to bow your head and close your eyes and pray along with me. Or maybe even pray out loud. Maybe take the opportunity while I'm praying to, to pray with those you're watching with. But um, let's take a second just uh, to pray for uh, our world and our nation and the people that we interact with and live with. Um, God, thank you uh, so much for Jesus, and thank you for the technology that you've given to our world that we could, even in spite of this uh, pandemic, that we could still be together uh, this way via video, Lord, and uh, just thank you for the, the time and season where we find ourselves that we can, in, in a difficult season, we can still engage with one another, engage with you in this way. Uh, Father, I also... I just want to pray for um, 
for those who have been stricken with this illness, Father. Uh, Lord, I pray for your peace upon them, Father. Uh, I pray also for those that have uh, a level of anxiety in the midst of, of the situation. Maybe you're with, uh, they're with people that are at high risk. And Lord, I pray for your peace to overcome each of us in this time and in this season, Father. Lord, I pray for peace in homes where we're kind of tied up and claustrophobic with being in the same four walls with the same people every day. And that looks like our, our near future for the, the foreseeable future. We're going to be there, Father. I pray for peace in those situations, Father. Lord, I also want to pray for uh, the doctors and, and chemists and those that are uh, seeking the cure for this disease, Father, seeking for vaccines, Father. Lord, I pray you would give them clarity. I pray when they have an opportunity to rest, you'd give them good rest so that their minds can be sharp and they can, uh, can find a, a cure, a, 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 an ability to, to put an end to this, uh, this virus, Father. Lord, God, I'm also grateful for the, the global sort of coming together here, Father. Um, not nearly as much anger and hardship and, and frustration on social media platforms and in our lives, Father, as we kind of all realize that we're in this thing together, Father. Lord, I pray you continue to knit our hearts together in that way. God, I, I thank you for your son Jesus, and I thank you for your sovereignty, and God, I pray you would allow us to to, to cut away distraction this morning, um, cut away the weirdness of the way we're engaging with you and engaging with church this morning, Father, but instead just allow us to to sit with you and, and hear from you, Father. And God, I, I know that you have a purpose and a design for everything, and I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to see your purpose and your design for the way that we are having to live now, Father. I thank you that you have broken our rhythms. I thank you you've broken our routines, Father. But Lord, I, I just pray now that we would not waste this opportunity that you have given us to slow life down and stop and see you, Father. God, I pray you would allow us to, to do that and cause us to do that, Father. God, be with those that are afflicted. Help those that are, that are seeking the cures here, Father. But also for us as we're quarantined in our houses and in, in our small spaces, Father, I pray you would not allow us to waste this opportunity you've given to us to relax and settle down and, and, and rest in who you are, Father. And God, I pray that over all of that, you will bring and minister your grace and your peace among us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Um, so I want to kind of start the sermon today asking a few questions and, and letting those questions kind of uh, sit with us for a while. And they will, um, I'll refer back to them throughout the course of the message. Uh, first, why are you here? And I don't mean why are you here like in your living room or kitchen or for the, the five of us that are here this morning. Why are we here in this space? I don't mean that. I mean, why are you here? Why are you on the planet? Why are you taking breaths? Why are you here? Uh, secondly is what are you doing with your life? Uh, think about that. Like God has given you a life. Um, 
what, what are you doing with it? And then thirdly, what do you, what things do you prioritize? Like these are the things that I want to make sure that I do today. What are you prioritizing in your life? And then, and why? Why are you prioritizing those things? Um, it's interesting because uh, I wrote that sort of preamble, uh, that opening to the sermon before we were quarantined. I wrote it about 10 days ago. Um, the virus was here, but we weren't yet to the knowledge where we wouldn't be able to meet for church. Um, but I think the, the beauty is that this thing really is different for us because uh, now these questions, are they hit home a little bit more. They're important questions for us to ask ourselves and ask them consistently, but they're especially important in these particular times and seasons because our lives, as kind of a bit of my prayer, was that uh, we get stuck in autopilot in our lives sometimes, and we get stuck in a routine, and we do things just because we've always done things, and now we're doing things different than we've always done things because uh, we're forced to by this virus and, and to, to be good, uh, good community residents. We, we're forced to kind of do things differently and stay home and, and do those sorts of things. So our routine is broken, and we're taken out of autopilot, but I think there's a design to this. Um, and the book of Ecclesiastes is a really good companion for this season of our life. It's the, the fascinating part that I found is, is as I've read through this book, as I've prepared for this message and, and thinking about other messages that are to, are to come, uh, I think about uh, the, the fascinating fact is the book of Ecclesiastes is really speaking directly to what it is that we're walking through. And it, it's, it, it brings up some really important questions for us. It's good, the, the questions that I ask, it's good for us to ask those questions. But when I, when I really consider it, we're in 2020, and this book, this Ecclesiastes book was written uh, more than 2,000 years ago, and, and it's still hitting home to where we are. The human struggle that's there, the hard places that it brings up, the probing questions that it instigate are universal, both in terms of geography and time. So the, the questions that I've already asked, the questions that you might begin to ask yourself, the questions that Ecclesiastes brings up and instigates uh, are questions that, that, that we need to wrestle with today. They're good for us to wrestle with today. Um, and I want one of the things for this, when I say let's not waste this pandemic, let's not waste this season, it's beginning to ask ourselves these questions. Uh, last week, uh, I think... The, the sermon that I preached, and you can find it, uh, I, I think it's saved on Facebook Live. It's also on our website um, and, and on the, the various different uh, podcasting platforms that we're on. But one of the things I, I taught last week was Solomon was, was writing these things and, and answering this question, why are we here? What are you doing with your life? What are the things you prioritize, and why do you prioritize those things? We looked at that this week, last week, and I think to some degree— he answered those questions with this uh, that the last verse we talked about last week was it's, there's nothing better for us to be joyful and to do good as long as we live. And, and I think that's a, that's a good lesson for us to live and be at as we walk through this season. There's nothing better that we can do to just try to be joyful and to do good. Um, and before, when I was talking about opportunities to serve, and we'll talk about those opportunities again as we kind of close today. 
But look around you. There's great and wonderful opportunities for you to do good and serve. There's a strong likelihood that there's an elderly person or a single mom with, with young kids that lives near you. Um, reach out to them and ask them if you can go to the grocery store. A very simple, good thing you can do for them. Um, be joyful and do good. So let's, let's get into the, the passage today. So we're at, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 16, and we're going to kind of take this a couple of verses at a time. Uh, first, verse 16 and 17 says, Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. In a place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. Um, the heart of, of what he's getting at here is that wherever there is, there, in the place of justice, there's even wickedness in our justice. And um, our culture is really asking questions, really striving for justice. But, but I think part of the point is that there's, even in the place where we're striving for justice, there is wickedness. Even when there's a, to the point where we're, we're striving for righteousness, there's wickedness. There's wickedness in our justice and there's wickedness in our righteousness because there's wickedness in us. And I think that's where he's pushing us towards. Verse 17, I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked for there's a time for every matter and for every work. Even the most righteous, there's wickedness. Even the most just, there is wickedness. And this, again, this was written a couple of thousand years ago, but it's still true. The, the truth of the, of the matter hits us even today. It, it knows no geography or time. Verse 18, I said in my heart, this is some really uh, some dark stuff that he's writing here, but it, it's not all dark today, but this is kind of the, probably the darkest place we'll be. Verse 18, I said in my heart, with regard to the children of man, that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts are the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. A man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. That word vanity is uh, striving after the wind. It's, it's uh, it can also be kind of translated as like absurd. Everything is absurd, he says. We all live with the same breath, the beast, the, the, all of the animals in this world and all of mankind. We all have the same breath. We all die the same death. Verse 20, all go to one place. All are from the dust and to dust all return. And again, this is written by someone who has is, who is said, and will say again, that everything in this world has been given. There was no uh, pleasure. There was no uh, toil. There was no work. There was nothing that this author couldn't get. He had everything that, he, that this world chases, everything this world wants, everything this world strives for. And this is the product of that life lived. All go to one place. All are from the dust and to the dust all returns. And that brings, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time trying to like contextualize this idea, but I hope you can see the, the pandemic and, and what your life is like the last week and will be like for the next, you know, six weeks to two months or, or however long it is. Um, there's going to be this sort of, it, what does it matter? Why are we here? What's the purpose of all of that? Um, verse 21, who knows 
whether the spirit of the man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. Um, which is weird. This is showing up in the scriptures. Who knows? I, who knows whether or not you're, the spirit of a man goes to heaven and, and the beast just be, goes down to the earth. Who knows whether that's right or wrong. Um, I love the, the honesty of Solomon here. Verse 22, so I saw that there is nothing better that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? It's better. Here's, here's an answer to, your, to our question. Why am I here? What are you doing with your life? What are the things you prioritize? Verse 22 says, so I, so I saw that there's nothing better than a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. I think a contextualization piece here is let's just make the best of this. Um, we're all constrained. We're all feeling difficulty. We're all, and, and some of us are feeling the weight and the pressure and the stress of those around us. We know that we have, maybe you, you live with an elderly parent or you, you've got an elderly parent who is, lives miles away from you who, who can't get out and there's not a lot of help for them. Maybe they're going to be hungry. Maybe there's people that Kelly was talking about, some kids in their school that are wrestling with. It's a single dad trying to serve and feed several kids at home and it, it's just a really difficult time and the way to, to, to do what this verse is telling us so I saw that there's nothing better than a man should rejoice in his work here's the deal rejoice in the fact that you have an opportunity to serve your fellow man I want you to like stop and consider that like the opportunities that you have to serve and love another human being today are greater than they were a month ago. And we, we might be able to label this thing good for us to have our eyes open to the fact that there are people that are around us that need us to serve them and help them. And we might be able to, to label it good that now we have an opportunity to see that God has given us much and we have an opportunity to share the much that he has given to us with people around. There's nothing better than a man should rejoice in his work. And this is the work that God has, has given us to do. Why are you here? What are you doing with your life? What do you prioritize? And though the way that we answer those questions is considerably different than it was if COVID-19 wasn't a thing. Um, I, I also... I've shared this in, in years past, uh, especially when this was really happening. I have a friend named Jason uh, who passed away in 2016, and he was one of those friends that, uh, like, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him uh, just in normal life before he got sick, um, but I, I did know him fairly well. I mean, every once in a while, we'd sit down and have lunch and just kind of talk about life, and he was a Christian, but he was uh, a, comp a way different Christian than me. Uh, uh, considerably more liberal than, than I would like to be. And, and even our, our conversations that we would have would make me really uncomfortable because of the way he viewed the world. But um, he told me at the end of his life, uh, probably six weeks, a month to six weeks before he passed away, and, and it was looking really rough, um, he told me that he wanted to spend the rest of his life loving and spending time with his friends and family serving his fellow man and trying to travel as much as he could to see the world before he was gone. Jason had a pretty good idea that he didn't have much time left 
And where he got to was, I want to love my family. I want to spend time with my friends and family. I want to serve my fellow man, and I want to see the world. Um, and I think one of the gifts that COVID-19 has given to us is, is pushing this stuff into the front of our brains and giving us an opportunity to redeem this season. Um, I think it can cause us to chase things that are of value, to prioritize things that are of value. It does us good to see things that are meaningless as meaningless. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist, and like I always want to find the good, and pardon me if, if I'm doing this too much, but I've, I'm trying to help us to find some good in this difficult season that we all find ourselves. Uh, flip over to, to chapter 4. Uh, it says this, verse 1 of, of chapter 4, it's the next verse. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of the oppressed, for they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. The writer here does two things. He's talking about those that are oppressed. There's no one there to comfort them. Uh, and again, this is a, a universal truth. It knows no geography. It knows no time. Everywhere that man exists, there is oppression. And everywhere that man exists, there are oppressors. And both the oppressees and the oppressors have no one there to comfort them. Verse 2, and I thought the dead who are already dead are more fortunate than the living who are all still alive. I said a minute ago that, that was the, we were going to read the darkest place. This may be the darkest place we see today. I saw and I thought the dead who are already dead were more fortunate than the living that are still alive. Um, I'd really like to give the author here a hug. Sounds like he needs a hug. Verse 3, but better than both this is interesting because this, what just happened there, I tried to tell a, something that I thought was going to be funny, a little joke there. And uh, just like as normal, when this room is full of people, no one laughs. Just like it just happened just then. Digression is never my friend. Verse 3. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not yet seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. More darkness. There's evil and oppression in Solomon's world. We can all relate to that because it's very present today. Um, there's no one to comfort us. Both the oppressee and the oppressor are alone in the more darkness in verses 2 and 3. Um, he seeks, he sees the people that work and apply their skill and work, and it all derives from envy um, coming here in verse 4. Then I saw that all toil and skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This is also vanity, a striving after the wind. Let's go back and, and look at our questions. Why are you here? What are you doing with your life? What things do you prioritize and why? Let's look at that. Why are we here? What are we prioritizing? Why are we prioritizing the things that we prioritize? And then look at verse 4. Then I saw... That all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy 
of his neighbor? Is the reason that you're here to strive to have what your neighbor has, to strive to be better, to do better than your neighbor has? This is vanity. It's striving after the wind. I think that this is true of us to some degree, that a lot of the stuff that we do um, is in comparison. Like, uh, like, I'm really frustrated a lot of times as a pastor of a small church, and I'm really frustrated as, as a man reading through social media. There's so much, you're right, I'm, I'm right, you're wrong. There's so much, I, like, sort of quiet, humble brags that happen, and, and hey, look at what I just got. There's, we, are, we are designed to be envious of people. There's this brokenness in us that is envious of people, um, and my envy creates your envy, which creates more envy for me. And it's this stepladder that happens over and over and over again. And what the author says in verse 4 is this is vanity. It's striving after the wind. And I hope, and this has become my prayer, and it seems to be the, the, the drum that I'm beating throughout the sermon, is that this virus is an opportunity for us to be exposed to the truth of that, of the reality of that in our lives, and to stop it, and to rest, and serve, and find our joy in the rest, and the serving. Verse 5, the fool folds his hands, and eats his own flesh. Then verse 6, and this is where I want to camp out for kind of the, the rest of our time today. Uh, better is a handful of quietness than two handful of toil and a striving after the wind. That word quietness is a Hebrew word, N-A-C-H-A-T-H. I think it's pronounced nakta, nakath, um, nakath. It doesn't matter how it's pronounced. What it means is a quiet attitude of rest. Better is a handful of a quiet attitude of rest than two hands full of toil and a striving after the wind. Um, you don't need me to tell you that there's fear that's prevalent, prevalent in this world. You don't need me to tell you that. But you might um, need to be reminded that it's better to have a handful of quietness than two handsfuls of striving after the wind. Can I give you a homework assignment this week? One of the things you're allowed to do is to go take a walk in the park. Um, take a walk in the park this week and think about this verse and this word. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil. And understand that Without this virus, you might be doing something else. You might have two hands full of toil, but as it stands, you're walking through the park with one handful of a quiet attitude of rest. So the homework assignment is go to a park this week and think about this word. Sit in the park. Maybe, maybe it just looks like if you have young kids, put them to sleep. And then after they're good and asleep, walk in, not on a monitor, but walk into their room and just watch them sleep. And think about it's better to have one handful of quietness than two handsful 
of toil. Um, this is what God has for you. And it's a wonderful and beautiful opportunity for us to engage. Um, verse 7, so I saw vanity under the sun. One person has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches. His eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I depriving myself of pleasure? This is also vanity and an unhappy business. The world teaches us to strive after things that just don't matter. Verse 9, two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Man, that hits home for right now. There are people that are alone that we have an opportunity to reach out to, to serve in some capacity, and maybe they have fallen. We have an opportunity to help our fellow man. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up again. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. He gives three analogies of why it's important to be together and why we're kind of hitting on this idea of, of community. First is if you fall down, you've got somebody to pick you up. Second, if you're cold, you have someone to keep you warm. And third, if you have someone that attacks you, you have someone to help protect you. So two are better than one if you fall, two are better than one to keep warm, or two are better than one in the case of an attack. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This is an image of the garden, and I want you to see this. Like one of the pieces that our sin does for us, one of the pieces that our oppression does for us, one of the, the pieces that unchecked souls and spirit do to us is it pushes us to be alone. I want to take you back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sin, and do you remember what they did after they sinned? They heard God walking in the garden and they hid. They went to go and be alone. Um, pre their fall, pre their sin, they were enjoying their toil. They were enjoying each other. They were enjoying God. And, and ultimately, that's what this book is teaching us, and that's what all of the book is teaching us, and that's what the gospel is teaching us, that it's good for us to enjoy the work that God has given to us. Have you ever been there where you've done your job, your work, what you feel like God has called you to do with your life? When you're doing that, you just feel like there's something real and something important and something valuable there. God put that in you. God put it in you to enjoy your work. God also put it in you to enjoy companionship and, and relationship with other people. For the introverts, maybe you like to be by yourself, but God also put it in you to be with someone, to, to engage and to love people. And God has, has, you weren't meant to be alone. We're also meant to enjoy God. But when sin entered the world in the garden, they went and they were, their, their toil was no longer enjoyable. They no longer enjoyed each other. They were yelling at each other. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. And they were also not engaging with God. Adam and Eve were enjoying the beauty of creation and no longer. The fall, sin breaks it all. And their response is to run and hide from God. Their response is to try to cover their own sin. God's response is to find them. 
God's response is to cover their sin. This is the beauty of the gospel, and it's, it's apparent for us. If we could stop and see it in this day, in this age, in the season of our lives, to stop and see what God is doing in our lives, that our response is to run and hide. Even in this season, our response is to run and hide, but God's response is to find you. God is seeking you. God is pursuing you, even in this moment. And the, the beautiful part is, the, the likelihood is, there are some people that are watching this on Instagram or Facebook Live who wouldn't be engaging right now if we had had a normal church service. Maybe something happened, you needed to stay home, or, or life happened, you needed to stay home. But ultimately, you're here, and, and I want you to know, if you're listening to this, if you're engaged here, God is pursuing you. The, the creator of the universe who spoke this world into existence, who spoke and the stars were born, as it says in the Psalms, your response typically is to try to run and hide from God, but he is pursuing you. Also, our response is to try to cover our own sin and, and somehow earn something from God. Adam and Eve tried to do that and they failed. But God's response is to fully and completely cover their sin. And that's what happened. There's brokenness in this world. The world is not right. Where quietness and contentment once lived, now is a home to meaninglessness and envy. But God intends for you to be in relationship with him and in a relationship with others. And he intends for those things to satisfy you. Remember back in the video that Leah said she felt rest. God intends for you to feel rest because in him is our only true rest. In him is our only true peace. This is the gospel. This is the church. This is what God has intended for you. And he has knit your heart together with your family. He has knit your heart together with your church family. And he has knit your heart together with the gospel to show this to you. Um, I want to pray for us now and uh, guide us through a, a, a little response time here. Um, and also during the prayer, and we're going to sing a song in just a second, uh, Ben said get some elements for communion ready um, and go ahead and, and, and do that now if you'd like or do that during the, the song where uh, that Josh and Kelly will lead us in here in just a second. But let's, uh, let's pray. God, I thank you. Thank you for Jesus. God, I thank you for while this COVID-19 is uh, wicked and is doing wicked things, Father. I read of the, the deaths of, of several in one family this week. I read of uh, the hardships of, of children not being able to eat. Uh, I read of the hardships of the stress and pressures of, uh, of a young mom who uh, feels the pressure of someone in, in her, her, her nearby building coming down with a virus and then she's got to go home to a, to a mother who is uh, at risk and a, and a young son who is at risk. I feel the weight of, of the pressures of this world and the wickedness of this virus, Father. But Lord, just as you always do, you redeem what, the, what our enemy intends for evil. You 
work out for our good and for your glory. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to what it is you're trying to speak to us during this season of our lives. God, open our eyes to your redemption that's happening. Open our eyes to, to who you are and what you're doing. God, open our eyes to how you have provided for this illness, but also you've provided for the illness of our sin, the brokenness of our sin. God, thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.